and welcome to the Policy Innovation Podcast, the place you can listen to people from mums and former prime ministers to startup founders and scientists share their experiences and ideas for innovating policy to build a better world. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Dan, founder and CEO of Lear Aerospace. Dan, welcome. Please tell us about you. Hi, Nathan. Thank you very much for this, this space and your time. Uh, as you say, I'm Dan Ettenberg. I'm CEO of Lear Space. We are developing green space propulsion uh, for rockets, for spaceships, and for any kind of ship or or whatever that needs to move in space or go to interplanetary missions or whatever the market is willing to do in the next decade. Cool. So green in space. So that's two quite frontier sectors, green and, and space. Why are you focusing on this area? Well, mainly uh, we see that the, the growth in the space economy in the next decade will be uh, something that the humanity has never seen uh, in the first place because of the global connectivity, how fast it's growing, and mega satellite constellations that are occupying uh, an important role in, in the space economy and in the connectivity uh, of, of uh, commercial, uh, civilian, any, time of, any kind of, of operations uh, that are going on in Earth. Uh, and these constellations will require maintenance, uh, georbiting, refueling, and eventually we will start building sh- uh, starships and whatever in space uh, for leveraging this space economy into a multiplanetary economy eventually, I mean, the next few decades, hopefully. Uh, so uh, what we intend to do is uh, being a, a, a supplier of engines for space traveling, space movement or space cargo. So our DI is developing this as, a, as, a, as an important uh, part in the whole chain of suppliers and developers of this uh, new economy. But right now, what we see is that for the past almost 50 years, the main uh, developers and suppliers of propulsion systems and rocket engines have been mainly contracted by government agencies. And the cost uh, has always been too big for the private sector to jump into this technology and use this for a revenue generating commerce. Uh, or company. Right now, what we see is the new space kind of movement or era, new space era. We see that the, the cost of these traditional propulsion systems or rocket engines is too high for enabling the space economy to grow. So what we are developing is technology based on um, composite materials and added ma- manufacturing, I mean, 3D printing of the engines and the hoses and all the, the, the small and bigger parts of these propulsion systems. And we could develop this and sell at a price, maybe 10% of the usual uh, kind of price of these engines. I mean, if, the example is if you had a, a car engine that would cost $1 million, very few people in the world would have a car. If you want the car business and the car market to grow, you must build very efficient and very cost-effective engines. This is the same thing, but going into space. So that's what we are looking into. and. The, the, the future of the space economy is expected to grow up to $1 trillion uh, by 2030. That's huge market. And we see this as, as, as an important thing, it's important technology to be into this market right now. 
Mm, absolutely. So if you were to say in a nutshell how you help your uh, current and future customers, what would you say is the main way that you help them? Okay, so if we look into spacecraft, we will reduce the whole mission cost between 50 to 80% by replacing traditional propulsion systems with our propulsion systems. If we look into big space cargo or rockets launching into space, we will provide a green storable uh, propulsion system that could enable these companies to make their rockets greener, faster and, and, and cheaper in, in a way to sell. Um, for day day by day operations, so we are looking into two main um, markets: that are the launch market and the in space market. So both will be needing propulsion solutions and green solutions in, in the next few years. Right now, there are not many uh, companies developing this technology, so our idea is jumping into this market right now and start developing this technology for the future of green space exploration. Got it. That's awesome. And Dan, I know that you're um, from Argentina originally. What led you to start building this business and why have you chosen the UK as your international headquarters? In the past few years in the UK is that the UK has been appointing space as a strategic resource or region or whatever you want to call it. And, and, and on the other hand, we do have the net zero policy or plans for for the UK in the next couple of decades. So what we see is a, a big opportunity of having support from the government, from the UK Space Agency, and even from the European Space Agency in developing this like kind of cost-effective, low lead time propulsion systems for the whole space market. So that's why we see the UK as a, as a very interesting place to, to start and grow in the next few years, because we are in the same page of go, going greener and going big in terms of the market share and the operations of in-space propulsion. Oh, got it. And that leads on quite nicely to my next question, Dan. If you could have or see one innovation in politics, what would it be and why? Okay, so uh, it's a good question. Well, we've been seeing, at, at least uh, uh, all of us that are into the, the, the energy, the transport, aviation and space sector, that in the past maybe decade or the past few years, going green is uh, a very hard uh, for airplanes, for cars, for almost everything. But there's lots of things going greener and going green. I mean, we can talk about Tesla or any kind of electric vehicle. But, for example, aviation uh, is about the 2 or 3% of the carbon footprint in the whole world. And there are many companies investing lots of money for their airplanes for going green. So the thing is, in the next decade, we will see rockets going not as often as planes, but we will see rockets going to space in a daily basis. The thing is a rocket can burn the same amount of fossil fuel in 10 minutes than a car in 100 years. So the thing is, the amount of carbon that the rockets will start to generate and, and send into the upper atmosphere, that is even worse than the lower atmosphere, is huge. So the thing is, policies regarding carbon, carbon footprint of all activities, including space activities, will become something important and something in a daily basis conversation. Right now, we are not seeing it because the amount of rockets sending to space is not very big and the impact is not considerable. But in the next few years, I believe that 
green policies for the environment and for the atmosphere, uh, like uh, for taking care of the of the atmosphere and the contamination, are very important. So I believe the green policies into space will become something quite important, and in, I believe it, they should be. Mm. That's a great point, actually. And like you say, because there is quite a limited amount of activity going into space at the moment, it's not top of mind for policymakers. But if we're going to do a bit of forward planning, it makes sense that this is the new frontier of energy intensive industry. So it's absolutely essential we embed in these green policies regarding space, uh, aviation and aerospace now. What advice would you have for other scientists or entrepreneurs around the world who are thinking about starting a company or learning more about space and science? Okay, that's a very good question. And I didn't learn this by the easy way. It was hard on me because I've always been like a scientist, an engineer, and I always loved building things and using thermodynamics and whatever physics I find around to build something. The thing is, when you're into uh, running a company or starting a, a startup, you must have a deep knowledge about the market and who your clients are or will be. So this is mostly as a scientist one thinks about okay i have this solution or this technology that works amazingly but you must have someone that wants to buy this technology if not you you won't be able to run a company because no one will buy your products so my my first and i think the the biggest uh, like recommendation would be spend lots of time in knowing your market knowing your clients getting to know who will buy whatever you're building or designing or programming, because if not, no one will invest in your product. I mean, that's like the first step. And it took me a few years to learn this, but right now I think we are getting in the right path of knowing our clients, having conversations, understanding this, their specific needs. And there's a quite a, a famous like phrase that says, uh, don't find clients for products, find products for your clients. I mean, there's a slight difference, but you can understand the point of where I'm going to. That's a great point, because I guess some people are like, oh, I've got a great idea. Let's see uh, who wants it, rather than going and asking first, you know, what, what's your big like, pain? What do you think about this? Will this be helpful? And will you buy it, I suppose? Yeah, that's, that's exactly, a, yeah. an awesome point to make. Cool. And what do you see... We've kind of touched on it already a bit with, you know, space and, and green uh, policies. What do you see as currently the biggest challenge and opportunity for us as humans today? I believe that right now everything and everyone is struggling to uh, keep in pace with Elon Musk and his cost scheme for sending things to space in the next few years. So I believe that everyone should be like focusing on building rockets, reusable rockets, and, and having the, the capability of sending things to space in a cost-effective way. Because if not, Elon and SpaceX will have like a, the, not all, but a huge part of the launch capability and the launch market will be like caught by SpaceX because of their lower prices. I mean, right now, SpaceX is at least... 20% uh, of the cost of other companies in the price per kilogram if you launch like big stuff. So if you must launch if a, a few satellites or a constellation, then the, the cost of the whole mission and the launch is very, very, very big. I mean, we're talking about millions or dozens of millions or maybe even hundreds of millions. So 
I think that having a, a cost-effective launch, cost-effective launch, launch system would make everything run faster, smoother, and well, and enabling much more companies to get into the space and, and generating revenues of, um, from space economy. Mm-hmm. Noted. Cool. And then my final uh, question, Dan, for you today is. My listeners have all different types of backgrounds, but a lot of them are policymakers, investors, and other entrepreneurs. Is there any ask or call to action that they can do to support you on your journey? Well, if you are an investor or someone that would like to help us, you can reach us at our website. is leah-aerospace.com or Twitter or LinkedIn. <coughs> we welcome everyone to wants to collaborate, help in any way. We are a small startup who has already achieved big milestones with a very small team, but we are aiming very high. Um, so I believe if you have any kind of idea, just reach us. We will answer as soon as possible. Maybe we will be a few days in delay because we're really messed up with lots of things to do. We make rocket science every day and we love it. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, uh, thanks very much for your time today, especially when I know you are so busy uh, with everything going on and building uh, this company and bringing it to market. So thank you also for you know building this innovation as well, because all of us on the planet will suffer from uh, these increased emissions from exploring space. So I think it's a super important um, point. And also, like you mentioned, in line with a lot of government strategies, uh, including the UK. So Dan, thanks for your time. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you very much.